The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Turn on AMC because this one will be a classic. No, it is not Groundhog Day, but we do have plenty in store for you on this episode of the Eastern Insider. We preview a major snowstorm coming your way. It's also a chance for the Groundhog Day to see his shadow coming up this week, but more importantly, two huge basketball battles right here at the George Gervin Game Above Center. Well, first off, we're not meteorologists, and I don't think we should attempt to be because most of the time our sports takes are like 50-50, so we're going to calm down on predicting on the weather. Although, if you have noticed, there's plenty of snow coming in the way of southeast Michigan, so if you live in and around the eastern Michigan community, all jokes aside, please be safe. If you can get out to the games this week, that's great. If not, there's plenty of ways to watch and follow from home. Of course, you can stream on the ESPN Family of Networks or WEMU 89.1 FM. We'll have both the games on Tuesday and Wednesday, as well as the men's basketball game on Saturday. So get those shovels out and get ready to use them. Pay off the high school kids maybe 20 bucks to shovel your driveway if need be. And then real quick on the Groundhog, Love the name Puxatani. What a name. Unbelievable. It's one of the best names out there. Especially, I'm, I'm a little more biased so, towards Buckeye Chuck. but Well, uh, that's all right. We're going to save that conversation for another day. But you mentioned it. The thing that's most important, Greg, is the week ahead of Eastern Michigan Athletics. So much going on on campus. So much opportunity for fans to follow along. It kicks off tomorrow night. Men's basketball in town with a big game against Toledo. Todd Kowalczyk and company have been, well, let's just put it how it is. They've been red hot through this MAC season so far, and they're off to a great start. So can Stan Heath and company try to dethrone the number one seed as it sits right now? Even a loss would keep them at that spot, but what a morale booster that would be for men's basketball. And they're coming off a big win over Miami. Yeah, they shot a... Uh... Convocation Center, previously known as Convocation Center record, uh, 14 three-pointers, including 12 in the first half. They cooled off slightly, but Nate Scott, a tremendous afternoon. Uh, We'll talk to him on this show and get his thoughts. But you look at at what we've seen. It was an Eastern team that finally got healthy. Granted, no, they didn't have everybody back, but they need to get healthy in a big-time way. Right now, sitting at ninth place in the Mid-American Conference, only the top eight teams will go to Cleveland. So they've got to make a run for it, and this is a perfect opportunity. You get a a top-seeded Toledo team coming in. It's glow night. It'll be a big night on Tuesday. Then they go to the number two seed in Ohio on uh, Thursday, and then you only have to play the number four seed right now in Kent State on the weekend. So if you could get through this gauntlet with winning a few games, this would be a big-time feather in Stan cap going down the playoff stretch. Well, I think you're always going to say, and we're always going to say, we want to win all the games, right? But realistically, I think if you come away with two out of three, you're sitting in pretty good position and you feel really good about where you're at because a lot of the teams that are struggling right now on looking on the outside in trying to get into the tournament, uh, if you go two and three or two and one or three and zero oh against the teams that Eastern Michigan is going to face right now, not everybody that's in Eastern Michigan's position is going to be able to have the same success uh, against a Toledo, a Kent State, and Ohio. So 
good opportunity this week for Eastern Michigan to really get themselves back into the conversation mm-hmm. in a very, very big way. And there's a lot of jumbling in those standings where you may say they sit at ninth right now. There's no reason they couldn't get up. It's not like they're just going to maybe get no. to eight seed. They could easily get up into that top five range or so if, depending on how things go. There's a lot of combined, there's a lot of um, close well, seeding right now. Well, it's still thrown off. It's still early, too. You look at Central. They played three MAC games. Right. And technically, there would be the sixth seed if it ended right now. But they've got a lot of catching up, to. That's going to change and, and play things out. Uh, so it's a, a great way to test yourself knowing that if you want to be champions, you've got to beat championship-level teams. And Toledo is a team that's won regular season titles, has not been able to get the, over the hump in the postseason. Ohio, we know last year, Jeff Bowles and company were the ones that cut down the nets at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and Kent State, always a tough out. So if you want to win, this is your opportunity. Oh, it's a big opportunity. And, and as we talked about, again, what better way – then to test yourself right now, Eastern Michigan's feeling pretty good about the Miami performance. How well are they going to rebound from that? <laughs> well, we'll find out because they have some really challenging games coming up. So hopefully that Miami game served as almost a reset for Stan Heath and company. The energy stays high in the program, and they can figure out a way to get the X's and O's in shape to win a few of these games. I have total confidence in Stan Heath that they'll be in good position at least. As much as we talk about the men getting back and healthy, the women did so as well. They cruised to a victory on the road at Miami. It's never easy to go on the road anywhere, but they needed a win to end that losing streak and came up clutch in record-setting fashion. They did. It was an impressive win for Eastern Michigan uh, down at Miami and Oxford this past weekend. How about this? Sonaris Gaines picked up her 18th double-double, 21 points and 10 rebounds in the game. She's played 36 career games. 18 of them have been double-doubles. That's pretty impressive. In fact, that's now the record at Eastern Michigan for double-doubles in a career. And she's only a redshirt sophomore, so she has plenty of time on the court left. And then if you look at Ariana Combs, what she's been doing over her last four games has been really impressive as well. And and so we talk a lot about how good she's been, so it's not really surprising. But four straight games with 20-plus points, that's the best in her career. Her last two games, she has 61 points. That's her best over a two-game stretch in her career. Oh, by the way, she broke her program record at Miami, 19 made free throws on 24 attempts. Uh, So she's doing well from the line, being really aggressive, getting herself chances to score. And if you look at her career, how it's shaping up, 60 career games, we know she scored in double figures in 57 of those, maybe even more of an impressive stat. How about the fact that she has scored in she has scored 20 plus points in 25 of those games now. So she's sitting at 42% of her games. She goes for 20 or more. That's pretty, pretty impressive. impressive. You look at her numbers, you've mentioned 19 free throws she made on uh over the weekend. Those 19 free throws are second most in the NCAA this year. Casey Borsowitz from North Dakota has made 20. And then some girl named Jenna Anakariko right behind her from College of Charleston with 18. Also, those 24 free throws she shot, they are the most in the NCAA this year. Uh, three ahead of Lauren Hurd from TCU. So pretty good number there. Well, and there's been plenty of games this year where Eastern Michigan, forgive me, I'd have to check the specific number, but there's been plenty of games where Eastern Michigan has not hit 24 attempts as a team. And so when you think about the fact that they got by Miami by about 11 points and they shot well over 15 more free throw attempts 
than the Red Hawks did. That's the difference in the game. We talk so much about how cliche it is to say, well, free throws can win you the game. Well, in this case, free throws absolutely won you the game. So a big game to, uh, on Wednesday night for Fred Castro and company. We know it's a tough task when Felicia Legette Jack comes to town. Her Buffalo Bulls 6-3 and three right now in conference. They lost three straight, picked up a win in their most recent game against Northern Illinois, though. And, uh, well, the elephant in the room is that Fred has beat every team in the MAC except for Buffalo. So trying to get that 0-5 record back to one in the win column for Fred Castro. It'll be good. We also have plenty of other sports going on. Track will be in South Bend, Indiana. It will be the Mayo Invitational this weekend on Friday. We Meanwhile, tennis is at home, currently scheduled to take on the Vikings of Cleveland State. Uh, we will also see track a split squad. They'll be at Grand Valley. Gymnastics gets things going there at Towson on Friday night. They get Towson, LIU, and then Temple. And then you also get a nightcap of Jason Wiseman and company at the Chippewa Club taking on Lawrence Tech to close out the night. Men's basketball, we touched on senior day for the swimming and diving program. That will come up on Saturday. And then on Sunday, gymnastics travels south. They will be in our nation's capital. They will be at the George Washington Quad, with, again, with the Sharks of LIU and Temple. So a big, big week. And that doesn't even mention the fact that uh, next week on Monday and Tuesday, golf's back in action. Plus, we're days away from the boys of summer. It's not too long before we start thinking baseball. Not too long before we start thinking baseball. They will start off on February 18th at Winthrop. So it's a perfect time to start talking some baseball. We've talked to Eric Roof just a few weeks back on the podcast. Today, we're pleased to be joined for the first time, his debut appearance by Aaron Hilt, the new pitching coach on staff, of course, replacing A.J. Ochter, which is going to be a tough task. We talked about Justin Mice, the 10th round draft pick. He'll be departing from the pitching staff this year. Davis Feldman, who's been one of the rocks of the pitching rotation for about five or six years for Eastern Michigan. Luke McGuire, Scott Granzato. The, all the starting rotation from last year is gone. Pretty daunting task if you're a first-year pitching coach to have to come in and replace that. So we'll talk to him about his journey through baseball, what the team will look like, and a lot of things in between. It's a really long, good conversation, so we hope you enjoy that. And then you mentioned it, Greg. You got to catch up with Nate Scott after his big performance on Saturday against Miami. So a jam-packed show, plenty to get through. I think it's about time we get to the interviews. Yeah, we need to get rolling. We need to play a quick bill before we get set. And after the break, we'll have more of our conversation right after this. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be. to see we always bring you the e on the only show that brings you all things eastern all the time the eastern insider podcast it's hard to believe we've said it a couple of times on this show but baseball just around the corner we've talked to eric roof on the show so now it's time to bring in the newest member of the staff aaron hill he joins the team as the pitching coach this season coach first and foremost welcome to the eastern insider and uh welcome to ypsilanti right right i'm pumped to be here i'm excited for the opportunity and i can't wait to you know, move forward on this podcast well let's talk a little bit uh, about you before we get into the baseball for eastern michigan this season it wasn't a surprise necessarily when you 
made the jump to this level, but in a way it was because if somebody reads your resume, they'll see that you spent seven years at Ashland as a coach there. And it's your alma mater. You were a successful player there. You were part of teams that won championships, got to play at a high level. And then you were able to find your your way back there as a coach and uh, really had a lot of success that we'll talk about. But talk to us a little bit about the, making the decision to make the transition to to this level and to come up to Eastern Michigan because it's got to be hard to leave your alma mater. Right, yeah. I first started with uh, as a graduate assistant. Um you know, coaching wasn't something I went to school for or planned for. It just kind of fell in my lap, and then I developed kind of a passion for it. Um, then I was fortunate enough after, you know, playing in the Frontier League that my alma mater called me and said, hey, would you be interested in kind of interviewing for the position? And before you know it, I, I got the full-time job, and I was there for seven years. I got promoted to associate head coach, and, and then I ended up making the jump here. But it all happened so fast, and it was not part of the plan. It just kind of kind of fell in my lap, and you know, I, I'm excited to, to have this opportunity um, to move forward here at Eastern. Well, if you leave a job, like you just said, your alma mater, Greg and I are both alums of Eastern. I don't know if you knew that, so I, I know what it would take for me to, to move on to somewhere else. What is it about Eastern Michigan and this program about Eric Roof that excited you when you got that phone call? Yeah, the first two things I said, it's like, can we win here? And, you know, I'm not doing this as a stepping stone. Are you going to be here? You know, I want to accomplish something special. So I put my trust in them. Uh, I walked around campus. I talked to our strength coach. I saw our resources. I saw everything that we have and we can offer, you know, potential recruits. And I was like, let's do this. I believe in it. I think we can win. I think we can get a lot of things going in this this university. And it all started with, you know, Roof giving me the opportunity and then pitching like, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. I believed in that vision. And I think you know, playing for and coaching with a Hall of Fame coach at Ashland, I can bring a lot of, you know, assets to this. And you know, I'm really, really excited about the future here. When people look at your coaching style, how would you say you are as a coach? And maybe is there somebody who most influenced you in, in coming up with that style? Right. It was my, my past coaches, um, you know, always, you know, you know pushing me. But my grandfather played a big part of that. You know, he was always like, you throw no hitter, throw less pitches. Um, so, you know, the standards all always moving up. The bar is always getting set higher. So I demand a lot of my guys. I'm hard on the guys. But I also pick them up and appraise them when they do things well. So I'm both big on relationships. You know, how are you doing today? What's going on in your personal life? I want them to trust me and believe in me as much as I believe in them. And sometimes they don't see it. You just got to reinforce that. So, yeah, I'll push them. But I'm at the same time, I'm, I'm their biggest fans so you'll see me in the dugout trying to you know be excited at the same time i'll be locked in right there with them too well before you were a coach you were a player and so i want to jump into that just a little bit before we get back to now everything on the coaching side of things a player at ashland as well we talked a little bit about some of the success you had there but everybody's got a story about how they first got involved in the game and and where they found their love for the game do you at the top of your head have that for your own uh, story i actually was a uh you know, a pretty good basketball player. My dad was a basketball player, so I started with that. But, you know, I just grew up small town. I just happened to have an arm. And then, you know, Little League and going on up, I just kept throwing. I could throw. And still to this day, I can just get up, you know, in this throw. I never really had arm issues. But, you know, my first love was basketball, but I just happened to develop that I was, I was a little bit better at baseball. And then high school into college, I was like, wow, this is kind of, you know, where I'm meant to be. Gleak's had very good baseball over the years. You look what you were able to do at Ashland, but you see what Wayne State does. You see what Grand Valley does. Oh, don't forget the wood, baby. Oh, yes. Northwood. How could I forget about your your f- second favorite school in, in Northwood? When you look at, at the Gleak, how does that prepare you for, for what you're doing now, as well as what it did as a player? Because you got 
got some really stiff competition. Right. I mean, there's a lot of comp- great competition. Um, but, you know, I was we were the underdogs down there. You look at Wayne State and um, not necessarily Northwood, but the enrollment's higher at Wayne State. Mm-hmm. Grand Valley State, they have 20,000 where I come from, where we're limited resources, 2,500 students, small private school in the middle of nowhere. So that gives you that grit. That gives you that, you know, kind of that chip in your shoulder that I want to go up and beat those teams. And we did. Uh, we went up, we won three championships. We went head to head with those guys. But, you know, you have that experience. You have that background of being a small town kid. And now going up saying, hey, look at me now. I got some resources. Let's see what we can do. So that that I was really excited to have the opportunity in the Kaliak to compete and win those championships and take that grit and bring it here. Well, as a coach, you were part of a team in 2019 that won that GLIAC championship, won the tournament championship, um, and then advanced all the way to the College World Series at that level. You have advanced to that stage twice, both as a player and as a coach. Um, when you are coaching players that maybe at this at Eastern right now that haven't been a part of that championship run, but that's certainly the goal. What are, what What is that experience like both as a player and a coach? And how much do you keep your focus on the here and now and getting better every day, but also using those experiences to try to shed light on what that'll be like for your players and, and motivate them that way? Yeah, it's a surreal feeling once you get there. You're like, oh my God, this is you know, the world series. All your goals come come you know, full circle, but you look back and reflect, like, how do I get there? And it's, I tell the guys, stay in the moment. It was every day working hard and you got to believe that you can do it. Everyone says, I want to win the Mac. I want to do this. You know, I tell them to invest in the how and why, how do I get there? You know, what do I got to do? Um, and that's the day-to-day grind. And that's when you get to, you know, tell them, Hey, I believe in you. This is what we're going to do. This is our process. These are our goals. Follow these steps and we'll get there. And you know, when they really come together and believe that, then that's where you, you know, you, you kind of see that game of baseball has changed so much in recent years. Everybody is heavy into analytics now, looking at, at percentages and rotation. So how much does rotation do you value over, say, a, a velocity of, of a kid that they're able to, to throw? Yeah, guys that can spin it, basically I look at what is your strength. I'm always going to pitch to my pitcher strengths no matter what the scouting report, no matter what the analytics are. But the analytics will confirm, hey, this is maybe he is a fastball up in his own guy or he can locate you know, a breaking ball because it's tight and go glove side. The analytics will back that up. Um, but I want the guys to know you know, what is their strengths and this is how we do it. This is going to be our plan. So that helps them do that. So I will use that kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, maybe on the analytical will say, hey, you are a fastball guy. You got high spin. You can throw up, but can you execute that pitch? So maybe that's not your strength. What do you do well? Okay, we throw down in the zone. We're going to stay down in the zone. And then you use that analytical pitches. Hey, this may be your out pitch. You know, when you're ahead, use that. So there is an uptrend of how we implement analytics, but I do believe in it. And that's how I would incorporate it with those guys that help us win. College baseball is really where a lot of players make the transition for the first time into that pitcher only role or, or into the field only role. There's a few that cross over, um, but a lot of people may not know what the whole process is in terms of the week to week of a pitcher, especially a, a starting pitcher that may only see the mound once a week for this baseball team. Can you shed some light on what does a normal week look like for a pitcher on your staff uh, once you get into that game week type of feel? So the first thing I start with is arm health. I tell every recruit, recruit, I was like, hey, I want to make sure you're healthy. So we do a lot of things with our athletic training staff and training room. So you have Luke, who's been great. So they're going through a full body screening. So it's going to be sur- developed off of that. So we'll have them in the training room two days a week. Um, they get up, they go to that, get treatment, they go through the screening, whatever that was. You'll have exercises that show that you're deficient. Then you would come out to the field. Then you would have your throwing program, whatever we're doing that day for practice. And then after that, we would have a couple of days a week we're lifting. Um, then after that, you're going to go to the study tables because 
I got to keep you on the field health-wise and academics for us to win ball games. It's all about winning games and how do we do that? One is arm health, two is on the field. So I'm fortunate to have the academic resources that we do and then have athletic training and to have you know Seth, our strength conditioning coach, all working together. So it's not just going to be go throw. It's going to be strategically laid out and you know day-to-day might be different. So it's not just going to be one routine every day. You go from the, you'll start off right now in the bubble, working towards heading south. And then once you get outside, it'll be warmer, but it's not quite ideal pitching conditions. How do you start building that, the the pitch count up, knowing and also factoring in the weather and the cold right now? Well, I tell them this is ideal conditions. You know, it's harder to hit in this weather than it's pitch. So flip that script, the mentality saying, hey, you know, we're going to go get them. It's cold. Let's attack those bats. So we do that. But, yeah, building up arms right now are between 50 and 60 pitches. Um, we do about 10 to 15 a week. But I'm constantly going to the guys saying, hey, how do you feel? How do you feel here today? Can we do another 10? Can we? Should we stay? So actually last week we backed up. So we did 50 pitches both weeks in a row so i want to customize what's best for the guys it's not going to be you know hey i say go all you know the guys have a lot of say in their program so i want to make sure they're developing i want to make sure they're healthy i want to make sure they buy into the program and feel like they have their input of what we're doing so that's how we kind of do that well let's talk a little bit about the pitching staff that uh, eastern fans will see this year because it looks quite different than maybe what it did last year i mean Davis Feldman, Justin Mice, Luke McGuire, Scott Granzato. Those names have been fixtures in the starting rotation for quite some time. And I know you didn't get to coach them, but for fans listening, those are names that we've all become accustomed to seeing the lineup. All four are out this year. Four new will have to come in and plenty behind them in the bullpen. So tell us a little bit from um, early on in terms of the practicing and, and what you've been able to see since you've gotten here. Who are some names maybe um, that Eastern Michigan fans should look out for this year, both returners and newcomers? And how might some of those roles change? Yeah, first off, hats off to AJ and those guys in the past. And, you know, he recruited them, you know, led led the foundation for the for the program. They're they're gonna be alum, proud alum, and I wanna carry that tradition. So we wanna mold guys into stuff like that. I mean, they they guys here now have seen those guys play. Like I'm very excited to, to see what we can do to keep that tradition going. But moving forward, you know, it is a new year, new chapter. We gotta turn the page, the next guy up. You know, we got a lot of new guys, but we do have some veterans returning. You know, we have Tom House who has some experience on the mound starting. You know, he's a guy we're going to lean, lean a lot onto to get some innings for us. And Zach Fruit, you know, he's looking really well right now. He's going to the Cape Cod this summer, the play he played in the last summer. And he's a guy that can really kind of fill that role. Um, we also have some transfers coming in, both D1 uh, and junior college transfers that they're had experience, we're going to give them the opportunity to get the ball. Um, Frank Volkers is a guy, you know, heavy fastball, you know, high spin guy that we're talking about. He has been dominant this fall, had 23 strikeouts, I think 15 innings. And then we got, you know, some of the freshmen stepping up. Um, Dom Anderson from Indiana, I'm excited to see him throw. I mean, he's just a bulldog. And then Adam Flinsky, who came over from Ashland, um, actually has our highest velocity right now. So we got a little bit of a mix from, you know, sidearm to high velocity to change up guys to freshmen to senior so everyone's going to get their opportunity but it's going to be who's going to get the ball and go out there and perform because right now it's just wide open well as a follow-up to that too i mean obviously it's a challenge when when you're doing so much turnover in the rotation but where we mentioned so many pitchers that have been a fixture maybe gone it's almost the opposite in terms of the rest of the lineup. A lot of returning production offensively when you look at it coming back. I mean Taylor Hopkins certainly probably arguably the best shortstop in the league is a great bat to have in the lineup. Someone like Gabe Denton, Christian Balt, Gabe, Daniel Workentine, all of those players. When you're looking at it from the pitching standpoint, how much does it help to know and to be able to 
comfort your staff with knowing that there's players behind you that'll be able to pick you guys up in that way as well. Everything's designed to win. So when we looked at programming, you talked about building up pitches. I want to make sure those guys are getting reps. So something new this year, we've thrown to hitters more than any years in the past. Um, they've been getting a lot of live reps. You know, if that's going to be our strength, I want to enhance that. And I want to challenge hitters. I want the hitters to take it to our pitchers too. Right now, I would say the hitters have been doing a very good job and that is going to be a strength. But on the other side, the pitchers got to get better. So they get to see that is hitters day in and day out so that's going to challenge them to make sure we got to locate and try to get hitters out like that in the conference you've had experience in the in the fall already at Ostrack stadium it's a bigger ballpark usually it's a pitcher friendly ballpark but how do you use something like that to your advantage knowing that you've got kind of more real estate to play around with than a different school say you look at bowling green it's it's a place that flies out a whole lot more right so our philosophy is not going to change based on ballpark i'm going to preach one thing we're going to buy into it we're going to go so we attack hitters it's perfect to have that as a home ballpark we want to get ahead in the count we you know Winning ball game starts with strikes. So we have a philosophy how we do 0001, how we get ahead. I teach them how to get ahead. We talk about getting ahead. Now I put them in positions where they can be successful to get ahead. So it's all about throwing strikes at a ballpark. I said that mentality does not change. We're going to have one mentality, and that's to win the ball game, and that's to attack hitters, to be aggressive, and be confident. So that, that's what we're going to preach. It doesn't matter if we're at Bowling Green, if we're playing in Yankee Stadium. You know, whoever's on the mound is going to have the same thing that I'm coaching them up with. When you look at the pitching staff that you'll have this year, uh, when you talk about the level of veterans compared to newcomers and and that type of mix how involved are you planning to be in terms of calling pitches how much leeway do pitchers have when they're shaking you off is there a point where it's okay for some guys just based on the experience it's not for others or is it the same across the board in that way yeah you'll see me during games um i'm kind of i'm more calm um i believe that you know me coaching and preparing them up to that moment the game is for them you know, I will talk to them uh, if they need some advice, if I see something. But I usually try to back off at games. Um, I'm more intense in practice. Um, but I will be involved with calling pitches. But I want them to have their invest in it as well so they can shake off. It's totally fine. Uh, there's a couple of guys I talked to that they're able to call their own game. Um, I'll give that give that torch over to them and see how that goes. And if something happens, then, then we can switch. But I'm real big on having everyone come together as one and feel like they're all part of this program. I'm not going to say, hey, this is the way we're going to do it, and I'm going to take full control of it. I want to win. It's all coming down to winning ball games. When you look at pitching, it, it's, it's a lot – for the person on the bump, but it also takes the person behind the plate too. I mean, it's a battery. How do you work with the catchers now to, to make sure they're framing, they're positioning and, and setting up to help the pitchers in the best way? Yeah, uh, Eric does a great job with them. You know, he handles most of the catchers, but I'm constantly talking to him. What do you see? What's going on here? Is it up? Is it down? Is it spinning? Is it flat? You know, don't be afraid to, you know, talk to the pitchers and tell them what you see. Don't be afraid to talk to me. Um, I'm always trying to get feedback. But the biggest thing with our catchers and our backstop is just communicating. You know, don't be afraid to talk to me. I'm always in between innings talking to them and just trying to get on the same side. But as far as coaching them up, I'm not really in the trenches with mechanical aspect of it, but it goes the same with mentality and trust. I say if it's 3-2, a bases loaded game on a line, you know that, you know, Eli, whoever's back there is going to stop the ball. You know, believe in your teammates, love your teammates, trust your teammates. So I had that, you know, sports psychology, that mentality with that with that bond. So I think I enhanced that a little bit along those lines. Aaron Helt's a new pitching coach with Eastern Michigan Baseball, and he's joining us on the Eastern Inside podcast today a few more minutes with him emu baseball it's hard to believe as we said earlier but february 18th they'll be in action down at winthrop coach there's been a lot of progression in the offseason clearly um 
and there will be work that needs to be done all year long. But when you look at the calendar now and realize that baseball is about two and a half weeks away, what are some of the things that, from a pitching standpoint, you most like where you're at right now, but that you really want to close the gap on to in the next couple of weeks? I like our effort um, day in, day out. They're grinding. They're excited. You know, There's a lot of new guys here. There's a lot of opportunities for them that win a starting role. So it's very been very competitive. We're charting everything. We have a king of the hill going on right now. Um, the winner, I have a little tiki in my office. It's going to get that. So I'm trying to make everything as competitive. So I like where, where our heads are at as far as you know competing and trying to get to replace those guys that left. I like to see us improve on throwing more strikes. Um, that's obviously a goal for every program that we always preach and try to get some more. But you know, I think we can close that gap, and I think Velo's is starting starting to tick up. So I think our throwing program has been progressing the way it should, um, and we're on pace to have the right pitch counts and be prepared to go in on the 18th to, to compete against Winthrop. Start off with the the Eagles of Winthrop before you head to Crooksville, Tennessee, to take on Tennessee Tech. Uh, and then Moorhead State, you look at the OVC, and though they've been known for their juice ball over the era, uh, as of late, how do you try to to combat some of those things when they're playing with maybe a different style of baseball that you're playing with? Right. You know, it goes back to our mentality. It's going to be the same thing. Uh, we're going to live and die with the way we're preaching with it. Um, you know, some things might change based on what the wind's blowing out of those stadiums. Uh, if, you know, the ballpark's a little bit shorter, you know, maybe we'll throw more inside versus outside. But, you know, we're still going to attack those guys the same way from the start. Always going to my pitcher strengths, not based off of what league, what, you know, ballpark factor it is. But I understand what you're saying. Do you think there is a real difference when it comes to, to those baseballs? Or do you think that some people just blow it out to more than it really is? I think they just blow it out to what it is. Um you know, baseball's a game. It's it's a baseball. Always the same. It's going to fly the same. Um, you know, you, there is some air factor. There is some. You know, fences shorter. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, did you execute? Did you leave the ball up? Did you get the ball where you wanted it to be, or did you make a mistake and then they they paid for it? So you know, we want to limit those mistakes. You know, put ourselves, our team, in a situation to you know win the ball game. Then hope you know if that's the case, you know that ball goes both ways. We're gonna have Bolt banging it out. We're gonna have Eli banging it out. You have Hopkins right there too. So you know, limiting damage. So we got to do what's best for us and stick to our strength and stick to our game plan. You have a lot of experience that maybe many within the coaching ranks don't. Uh, you were a successful player at the college level. You've been a long-term assistant coach. And then you've also gotten that chance to be an interim head coach and lead a program for a little while. When you come to this level and start working with Eric Roof and Jonathan Roof and the staff here, how has that experience both as a player, as a coach, and then also knowing what it's like to lead a program helped in your transition? And how does that help the working relationship with, with Coach Roof and just knowing all that the program entails outside of just the pitching staff yeah they it's it's all built around trust and they they see what i've done i see what they have done i want to learn from them i, I brought it here but i'm not just going to sit back and say hey i don't know this this and this i want them to learn from me as well and it's been a, a very good working relationship because we're all on the same team we have one goal in us to win that's to get us to the top four in the conference to reach our goals so some things that they have done in the past you know maybe i've done something a little bit different we sit down we say hey why'd you do this why'd you do that you know how can we incorporate it here how can we help us develop these athletes how can we help us you know win another ball game so it's nice that that we have a variety of uh, experience you know from they played at michigan state they both played professional um you know i come from division two um we come from the GLIAC. we had that grit we didn't we didn't have some things so it's just i ask a lot of questions i'm not just a yes man and 
they've been they've been awesome with with teaching me the ropes jr has been awesome taking me under his wing um wearing multiple hats for me you know easing me in right now so that's been awesome too but you know i I've you're really, a brave man if you're admitting that you've been <laughs> onto JR's wing, yeah. underneath JR. I, I know. I smiled when I said that, but I, I do mean that he's been awesome. Um, he, they, they, they've been taking great care of me, and you know, it's just been a smooth transition as fast as it happened with getting married and then being up here a week after I got married, uh, started leading a new pitching staff in a new town in a new area with no house. Um, so, you know, I came up here in good faith and I, you know, I'm here for the long haul. All right. We've got to ask you about that because you mentioned it. You were telling us a little bit before we started the recording about how quickly you went from married to interviewing for this job to up here. Tell us a little bit about that because behind every great coach is a supportive wife and, uh, it's good that you are still married, correct? I mean, you didn't all that transition in the first couple of days. She didn't want to, to back out after the first week, right? Yeah, I still got the ring on the finger. So, um, yeah, it, she's been been my rock. She's a true coach's wife. She's going to be at every game. She loves barking the park. So I think we've done that in the past with the dogs. I have a little dog. Um, so... I like the guys that kind of, you know, see me behind when the curtain's down. So I talk to them about my wife, about, you know, my life, what's going on. So I want to know about theirs. But, man, it happened so fast. Got married on the Saturday. Woke up on Monday. Got a call from Rufy the following Monday. I came up here, interviewed uh, the next day. Got the job. Following week, I was I was here. And then I was here for three days. Passed my recruiting test, and I was on the road in Grand Park for a weekend with JR. So I hit the ground running, man. But that, I wouldn't have won any other way. It's an opportunity, and I'm, I'm not going to turn it down. And I, I believe in it, and I, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. And I'm excited to work with the guys. The guys have been grinding. Pitching staff, I can't thank them enough for you know putting up with me and then putting the effort in. So it's it's going to be a, a lot of excitement moving forward. I know you're locked in right now, getting ready for the season, but when – it finally hits that moment for downtime. What are you, what are you doing to best to, to get your mind off the game and relax a little bit? Yeah, I love the golf. Um, you know, my wife hates that, but you know, golf's been been kind of my my escape. I golfed in high school, so anytime I can get on the golf course, you know, I, I like to do that. Um, I do have a dog. We like to, my wife likes to hike, so we'll go out, we'll walk through woods, we'll, we'll do trails. Um, but then, you know, even in off time, we, we've been to go on vacation. We've been to the beach, so that's been nice. My wife likes the beach, so you keep your wife happy. You know, it makes me happy. <laughs> but as long as I can get sticks in the trunk and go out and swing and chase that little white ball around everywhere I go, so you know that's kind of my my safe haven but no i I'm, I'm thankful for my wife and you know she's been everything for me well the good news is for you is that every day is bark in the park day at strike stadium dogs are always allowed <laughs> yeah. so i you will see probably an average of 20 plus dogs out there at most games when i would it's say good weather when it's good weather and uh I, i'm sure you've already been out there but of course our our golf course eagle crest is just uh, a fantastic course so we're very lucky at uh at Eastern Michigan, and Greg and I have donated tons and tons of balls there over the years. So uh, certainly a lot to look forward to on that front. You know, we talked so much about baseball too, and um, but there's also a lot more this university has to offer, and and I know that you've seen that, and that's part of the recruiting pitch when you're trying to get people to play here as well. In your short time here, what, what's been the maybe the biggest selling point outside of the baseball program that you can allude to when you're when you're trying to tell kids that this is where they want to spend the next four years of their life right it's been the people it's been the personnel you know you walk in here you feel welcome you know the morale around the office is happy you can walk in anybody's office knock on everyone's laughing everyone has a little bit of baseball a little bit of football whatever it is in their office you can just talk um so that's the kind of people you want to be around um you want to have the parents trust hey you come into a town with good people that are going to take care of your kids so it's, it's not necessarily the town it's the people that make the town 
Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room, and that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Eagles roll over the Red Hawks today, 85-75. Nate Scott, first career double-double. Yes, sir. Career high, 25 points. What was today like? Uh, it was great. First half, we came out ready to play. Uh, we came out ready to hit first. Um, all week, coach been calling us soft, so we had to make a statement today. Uh, second half, we came ready to play, but we have to clean up a lot of stuff. But, you know, we'll be ready just for Philly, though. So. Today, a game that this team able to grab 45 rebounds, 38 on the defensive side of things. After you watched the performance earlier in the week against Bowling Green, where they out-rebounded how much of a priority was trying to rebound today? Uh, 100%. Um, it was so big today. I just knew. we. I just didn't want to get out rebounded just for uh, practice sake, how coach would treat us. But I'm glad we came out and rebounded like that as a team. Uh, we were all just so hungry to just get a rebound. So that's great. 25 points, your previous career best, 18. You yes, had sir. that against Coppin State when you were in Northern Illinois. Yes, sir. What, was, what were you able to do offensively today that's been different from maybe the rest of the season? Um... A lot. I got to play my game. Um, at NIU, I was more like a stay in the corner and shoot a three. I had Eugene German, a great point guard, so he, you know, he would facilitate the ball. But today, like, my teammates knew what I was capable of. I got to play my game. You saw a score in German who was outstanding at NIU. Yeah. How do you compare him to what Noah's able to do already as a freshman? Crazy. Uh, Gino's a great, so I can't really, like, speak on him. Yeah. But Noah, as a freshman, is just crazy how he can just his IQ is amazing just how he sees the floor how he knows when a good shot is a bad shot I just I don't know I'm really close with Noah so my chemistry with him is just amazing how difficult has it been for this team to not be able to have all the pieces together for really over a month now I mean to go back to Northwood the last time it happened early December how hard is it when you don't know if your teammates are coming to go on awful awful I don't think we yeah like you said we haven't had a we haven't had a, the whole team since I don't know when early but it's been, December, December 5th that's too long yeah. and now Collins so, you know, I had to step up. A lot of the guys had to step up. I'm proud of them. But, you know, we just got Noah back and Monty's in the flow. So it feels great. Another American Conference is a league that you're going to have to start playing to get into that top eight. And you got a chance now. You're going to play yes, three games this upcoming week. Toledo on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you hit, or Toledo at home before you hit the road for Ohio and yes, Penn State and then Buffalo. What does it mean right now for the stretch in this team? We just got to come ready to play. Um, we, we've been working out so much, just getting ready. We, I mean, it took, a, it took like a, you had to look yourself in the mirror and kind of conversation with each other. So when that happened, we just, we're just going to click and I just can't wait. You Overall, you look at the midpoint of Mac play. How would you rate, or what would you characterize this team right now is one moment it just needs and then we're going to be off and, and on, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad the whole team's coming back, but when we get a whole team healthy, we'll be a great, 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 great team. When you look at it, your decision to come to Eastern Michigan, what was it that attracted you to come here? I, I know your long history 
with your dad and playing here. And it's great to have grandma on the sidelines. But how yeah. important was decisions like that to make? It was amazing. Like, I was uh, actually, I was just in Florida working out. I was just going through some things. Uh, and then when Stan called me, I came back home and he took me out to breakfast. I just felt amazing. Just I knew I had to come here. My dad came here. I came to the Eastern Michigan camps when I was younger. My grandma lives down the street. My mom lives down the street. My whole family's in Michigan. So, Do you remember much of your dad and Stan over the years? Have they kept in yeah, touch? Yeah, 100%. Being your teammates, you yeah. kind of have that bond. I'm cool with seeing son, so... Uh, I saw him in Florida. My mom's close with uh, his wife, Ramona. And then I remember uh, seeing Stan at University of South Florida. So I remember that when I was younger. What's it like to have gone back to NIU a few weeks ago and play at a former building that you, you played at for a while? Yeah, that feels great. Um, I'm still very close with all the guys. So we're going to get the dub next time, but not getting that dub kind of hurt, but just playing against them and just doing what I do. felt amazing. You get uh, Toledo, as we talked about on Tuesday. Just yes, a fan support has been good and continues to grow here. How important is it to have a good crowd here of students, especially on Yes, sir. Amazing. I mean, we played against a tough Florida international team, and I felt like if it wasn't for the student section, we wouldn't be in the game. So since they came, I mean, we just went to four overtimes, but since they came, I feel like that's why we got the dub. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.